The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm watching this uh, thing now uh, in between uh, segments here. I'm Pharrell on a bench of this Australian, I think, rugby player, right? That's uh, a legend. Uh, the guy is like the greatest player ever, I guess, in the country. Wilmar, whatever. Uh, he was a black guy that, um, I mean, they just abused this guy like nobody's business. Uh, I... I you know, I'm a little confused because I haven't been, uh, you know, hearing it. You understand? I'm watching it. And then in a break or something, I'm turning the volume on and trying to catch up and missing the entire thing. I think it's two different people I'm watching here. But the deal is, is that, I mean, um, the, uh, you know, the fans, the media, there were uh, the thing I just saw, this scene I just saw was some uh, talk show host walked out there with blackface on and making fun of him. And uh, it was appalling. It was absolutely appalling what I was watching. And then uh, he was obviously appalled by it. And I think um, obviously everyone, all the blacks were appalled by it. And then, um, you know, at the time, it it would appear to me, this is a, a while ago, a few years ago, that the Australians in some capacity or another uh, what I was watching, I don't know if anyone else is watching this, is is that they thought it was funny. And I'm just sitting here watching this, and I am just like, what is going on on my television? I'm like watching this huge thing of, of racism. And it is unbelievable. I think it all started tonight. They had this um, Black Lives Matter uh, event on, I, I think it was, uh, you know, all night long, uh, they did these specials, right? It was like... Uh, I don't know if I can't for some reason go back past that Giants of Africa. And then, and then they're doing the second one, which is the Australian dream. And it was after they had this big uh, thing tonight on ESPN uh, talking about the movement and talking about the protests and talking about social injustice and all this other stuff. Uh, very important stuff. And then uh, this story is about the same thing, racism. And it's just unbelievable. The stuff I'm watching, it really is. And when you see it and the way they're treated, uh, it really kind of makes you sick to your stomach, to be honest. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. 
And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, for on events. So the story I'm I'm catching on to a little bit. Like there, it's about the indigenous in Australia, right? So uh, they talk about how um, this Winmar guy showed the crowd taunted him with racist taunts. He was like one of the best players ever, and he had this huge game. And then he lifted up his shirt and, and he pointed to his skin and that he was black. And then it made all the uh, national news that he had, uh, you know, he was black and proud of it, and everyone could basically uh, kiss his ass. And then um, this other guy came along, this indigenous guy came along later and like broke all of his records and I guess became like the greatest player of all time. And I don't know his name from a hole in the ground, but uh, he's like absolutely phenomenal. He's like the, you know, whatever Gretzky of rugby. And if there is such a thing and this guy's indigenous and they don't know what to think of him. (laughs) Just these people (laughs) don't know what to deal with him because, um, you know, there, it, it's obvious that it, it, it was racist. It was it's absolutely uh, I mean, they just treated him like crap, like the indigenous in Australia. The stories that I'm seeing on the show right now, they're just they were they have been slaves from uh, the minute like their Captain Cook landed in Australia in 1770 AD or something. And they and literally they came onto the shores, they attacked the indigenous and they uh, killed them all, murdered them, raped them, uh, you know, crucified them, did everything to them. And then I'm watching this guy right now. They're showing footage of they're showing actual footage of fans abusive racist fans uh just absolutely hurling just atrocities at this guy on the field when he's playing and he's like telling security to get rid of him and the and the security and when they go over to deal with these people they ignore the security like we didn't do anything wrong we absolutely don't know what you're talking about meanwhile they did it everyone knows they did it the star player is pointing at him saying, I'm leaving. You're either going to throw them out of here or I'm out of here. And they won't throw these fans out of the stadium. Meanwhile, they're just racists and they won't do it. <laughs> they, they, they all sit there and act like they didn't do anything wrong. And then the cops don't do anything to them. It is the, it's insulting <laughs> what I'm watching. It's absolutely insulting. And this guy, you know what he did? He just said screw it he walked right off the field he left the game he's like see ya i'm out of here bye and then i you know you gotta appreciate him i don't know who he is i don't know his name or anything else but i know that um he's a legend there the whole story is about him he's a legend i don't know anything about australian rugby okay but um I do know that uh, I have bet on it before in Las Vegas on a four-day vendor. I've bet on Australian rules football. 
Mafia has had to drag me out of the sports book at all hours as I'm in the sports book first and foremost for the start of rugby game on a Saturday in the fall while we're waiting for a uh, boxing fight that night at the Grand Garden Arena. I'm in the MGM Sportsbook trying to bet on rugby, and Mafia is calling my family. There's something wrong with him. He's betting on teams he's never heard of. Betting on the indigenous. Rell's down in the sportsbook. We can't find him. He's betting again. Oh, here we go. Back to the security trying to throw out the people. You're going to have to leave, ma'am. You're a racist. Like, they finally kicked her out. It was a woman, no less. And then when she leaves, they all cheer. Not that she's being thrown out. They're cheering her because she's a racist. (laughs) And it is unbelievable what I'm seeing. Meanwhile, everyone in the crowd's completely hammered. They're all just pounding beers. <laughs> I have seen it all, Mafia. I really have. All right. Uh, so anyway, I saw this other thing. The uh, the plan. Did you see? What's his name? And he's the one taking a stand, fighting for. Yeah, his Adam Goods is the one they're talking about in ESPN now, according to the schedule. Right. That's him. That, that's exactly who it is. So uh, now that you said his name, I remember that's what they called him at the beginning of the show, his name. <laughs> and I've never heard of him. So that is his name. And they are talking about him. And he is. I am supporting him wholly here on for own Avenge, supporting his cause. I'm completely behind him 100 percent. I think these people should be thrown in jail. All right, so I don't know if you saw this or not. We talked about it today on Coast to Coast. Mafia talked about the Fight Island. And uh, here's the deal. The international delegation, the journey from flight to fight, this is what they have to do when they go to Abu Dhabi, right? So they have to uh, first COVID testing pre-departure 48 hours before the uh, trip, right? Then there's second COVID-19 testings at the airport. Then there's arrival check-in at uh, the hotel. Quarantine in the room until the test result is out. Visit to the island attraction training and entertainment. Um, Final COVID test before leaving the island. Escort to the airport and farewell. So maybe, oh, I see. Here we go. Uh, The first test and then departure from international airports, arrival at Abu Dhabi, second test there, arrival at the hotel, quarantine in the room until test is out, third test at the hotel, quarantine in the room until that test is out, visit the island, pre-event test, fight island, main event, final uh, test before leaving the island, and then fly home. So I had it wrong at the beginning there, and I got it right at the end. That's exactly the plan, Mafia, for how they're dealing with their protocols on fight island in Abu Dhabi. I know that Mafia has requested uh, from upper management, he has gone to the highest levels of power and said that he's uh, demanding that they send him to the Abu Dhabi fight island for the fights uh, in uh, in the octagon and in fight island and in the fact that Mafia wants to have uh, a period of four or five days of of tanning in Abu Dhabi. His plan is to go 
uh, lay at the beach and then uh, eventually wash off his sunblock and go to uh, the event, see the fights, and then uh, fly home. But he wants to lay on the beach for three to four days during the day and then go to the fight on Saturday or whatever day it is and then fly home. And hopefully he did say his plan is to not catch the COVID. Forget so one gonna, one event, isn't there like three or four cars are going to do there in like three weeks? So why don't I just stay there the whole time? Uh, I'm seeing an email coming in now that Mafia has requested an entire month in Abu Dhabi. And you could hear him uh, voicing those concerns earlier on this very program. Especially because not. I just looked it up and I, I was worried that, you know, going to the Middle East, obviously there's a lot of issues with uh, if you're, your Muslims don't drink alcohol. But I found out if you are a non-Muslim, you can find alcohol in Abu Dhabi. So I'm all for it. Let's go. Mafia uh, just sent another email. I just saw it now. And it says that uh, he has obtained uh, knowledge of where the fancy hotel the UFC fighters will be staying in. And then it says here, P.S., there is booze in this uh, expensive hotel where I will be staying. The room will be expensive. My liquor bill will be even more expensive. Signed, Mafia to all senior management. He's written this letter tonight, planning a long one-month sabbatical in Abu Dhabi. And I mean, if he, I'm going to be the fight it, expert on Coast to Coast, I need to be at the fights, right? says here, I'm getting another email here, that in, in order to uh, cover all of the fights, he will need to have a beer fund set up for uh, the ability to drink upwards of 12 beers per fight. 12 beers per fight night. I think there's uh, each, there's several fight guards, three, I believe. So that is upwards of uh, 36 beers that he'll be drinking on the fight night itself while covering the event uh, for the company. It says right here. That's the plan. Oh, also, I'm seeing that he's going to need a uh, stipulation of food fund uh, that Mafia will be on the seafood diet. When he sees food, he will be entitled to eat it all. And it says here, drink whiskey. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, for all on the bench, Joe Lisi is the great host of uh, College Football Today on Sports Grid, And uh, he's on the bench now with us tonight uh, to talk a little college football, if they're even going to have it. Uh, Joe, how you doing, buddy? 
Oh, I'm doing well, Scott. Late night, uh, late night special here, getting ready for the college and pro season. See if it kicks off in in late August. Yeah, you're telling me. Listen, I, I want to start uh, just a little different uh, than to dive right into whether or not they're going to play college football, because I have all those concerns, and, and we'll get to that. I want to start with this uh, article I read today, uh, and I don't know, maybe it was on Bleacher Report or something, but it was this story about this kid, Bryce Young, that played at Modern Day in Los Angeles. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yep, I know who you're talking about. Very good, Very good athlete. Right. So this guy is, uh, you know, as I'm reading this story, because, you know, obviously uh, I'm not watching a whole lot of uh, high school football these days, uh, particularly in Los Angeles. But it's funny because I was I was talking to Shay Cotton uh, on the show this week on, on Coast to Coast, and I used to go watch him play uh, high school basketball in at the same school. And uh, and all I know is, is that that was like the most dominant uh, high school basketball player I'd ever seen in my life. I'm like, what is happening here? This kid's just tomahawking everyone and he's dunking in NBA players faces. And, and the kids, you know, he was like 14, 15 years old. So now they're telling me I'm reading the story today, Joe, about this Bryce Young. They're saying he is the greatest quarterback like that we're ever going to see in our life. Like I have heard that this kid is so good. And then they made fun of his size. They said he was too small. Then he dominated wherever he went. And, you know, they'd look at his size. They'd be like, we're not playing that kid. And then the kid would dominate. Like, and he literally has just absolutely been phenomenal and unstoppable. And literally has been getting offers, right? College football offers since he was like 10 years old. And literally he's going to Alabama. They finally talked him into going to Alabama because he was going to go to USC. Tell me more about what you know about this guy. Cause he's going to play. This is going to be Saban's last horizon isn't it? this kid. He's going to, he's going to win another national championship with this Bryce young. That's what's going to happen. Isn't it? <laughs> well, if you're Nick Saban, you're hoping that, that you win a national championship with Bryce young matter day high school also uh, pumped out Matt Barkley. You know, former USC standout for the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. He didn't have a, a long career in the NFL, but he had a solid college career. And Bryce Young is going to be going up against Matt Jones uh, for Alabama. No spring ball, uh, 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 Scott. That's going to be the concern for me. I think Matt Jones is clearly the starter. But, I mean, Bryce Young is an athletic talent. He has a big arm. He's like Justin Fields, a dual threat. But can he get implemented in the system early is the main concern. I heard Joe that he, and I don't know if you read this article, they literally said that um, his coach said that, and others uh, of some wisdom or another on that staff have said that uh, anyone that's ever been around him literally said that he's, uh, you cannot coach him. Because he literally is so good <laughs> that his, like, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with his footwork. There's nothing wrong with his game. There's nothing wrong with his mind. He's smart. He's smarter than the coaches about the plays as they develop. When he's in trouble in the pocket, he knows what to do. He's like Wayne Gretzky. He sees the play before it happens. He sees the defender coming from the backside like he's got eyes in the back of his head. They all said that you cannot coach him. You just let him. Uh, they, they literally let him call his own plays because he sees the defense and then makes a call that is like smarter than the head coach's call. Have you heard that about him? 
I have. I mean, I think the thing about his game, Scott, is that you mentioned he's he's just pure instincts, and we've seen that with great quarterbacks in college, dating back to Peyton Manning at Tennessee. I mean, you know, he was a quarterback that understood the system, came right in in his freshman season and really showed leadership and showed poise in, in year number one and took that through his senior season. Now, you look at a quarterback like Tua that came on, he had uh, some success and great success in the national championship game. But then, you know, sophomore year, he did struggle a little bit with some reads and progressions. But I'm a big believer in this. It's great what they do at the high school level. It's a different animal at the collegiate level, especially when you're playing in the SEC, when you're facing teams like Auburn, Florida, LSU on a week-to-week basis. And without spring camp and the ability to have that quarterback-to-wide receiver relationship continuity in year number one, that's going to be a huge uphill battle for him. I'm not saying that he doesn't come in and win the job this year over Matt Jones, but I think it's very difficult. And when you have a quarterback that did play in the Iron Bowl and lead the bowl win over Michigan in Matt Jones, I think that's a a step up entering the 2020 campaign. Yeah, I think uh, there's no doubt that you're right about Matt Jones, that he's going to be the guy this year, that this probably is a year down the road, right? That, But I'm hearing that, like, uh, that he gained, like, 30 pounds of muscle in the COVID. Like, all he did was pump iron in the Tuscaloosa gym and whatever, and he was doing all this stuff. And then I, I guess he went home and was shredding, and that the guy is just – he's a freak, and that uh, it, that the future is is right there. That's who that's who the future is at, at Alabama is this kid, Bryce Young. How do you think? Uh, and this is my last question about it. How do you think Mac will handle? I mean, obviously, anyone that goes to some of these schools like Alabama, LSU, we all know the story, right? Clemson, Ohio State, you go to these heavies and you literally, everyone there is super talented, right? And we've seen all this before. Like Burrow was at Ohio State, he goes to LSU, right? And then he becomes a Heisman winner and wins the national championship. So when they go, there's so much competition between super ultra mega, you know, recruited talent that... Uh, it's like, uh, it's a war of attrition. Do you think, how do you think Mac will do knowing that this, uh, phenom, this, you know, everyone's saying he's better than him. I mean, literally that's what I'm hearing is that he's the best player that they are saying he's gonna be the best player that ever played there, which is crazy. Right. Cause we know who's played at Alabama over the years. You go back, uh, all the way to Namath and whatever. Uh, but the bottom line is right that they're saying this about him. How do you think Mac handles all that nonsense going on around him when he's trying to focus and do his job for Nick this year if they play? I think it's a great point. I think when you look at Mac Jones, he was an under-the-radar quarterback under the shadow of Tua. And then once Tua got hurt, he came on and had his opportunity and really progressed in the second half of the season. And that's why Tua's brother transferred to Maryland, but now, I mean, think about just the quarterbacks as a whole uh, for Alabama. You mentioned great players offensively and defensively. The quarterback position under Nick Saban prior to two again there was more of just a game manager. We saw Jay Coker, Blake Sims, those type of quarterbacks. They were just, uh, I want to say, just game managers for the most part, played very well in the system. And that's what I think Mac Jones is. I think he's a step above both of those quarterbacks that I mentioned. Is he an elite Joe Burrow type of quarterback entering 2020? 
I don't think he is, and I think that that's why he needs to step up his game. But being battle-tested and playing in the SEC last year, I think he'll handle it just fine. But I still think it, 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 there is the possibility that Bryce Young does come in maybe game four or five and gives them that added dimension because of his athleticism and his ability to put pressure on opposing defenses on the perimeter. What do you think, uh, Joe, happens to LSU with after all that uh, fanfare, all that success, national championship, uh, Orgeron, I mean, the program's back on top of the mountain again. They're just uh, gigantic after that season. But then they all leave. Like the whole team, it was like they were a pro team. They literally, uh, the quarterback wins the Heisman. He's the number one pick. And then they had, what, seven guys get drafted, something like that. Maybe it was even more. I don't even, I lost count. Uh, all I know is they're, they got vacuumed out of there. Uh, respectfully, I got two minutes and then we'll break, come back and keep talking. But but what do you think happens to them after all that exodus to the uh, next level, all those guys going to the NFL? What happens to the Tigers? I think they're nine and three this year. Miles Brennan is an adequate quarterback that could step in for Joe Burrow. He's not elite like Joe Burrow. Don't expect 60 touchdown passes in 2020 without Aranda and Joe Brady. And, and 16 starters do move on. 14 guys drafted in the NFL. I think this team is 9-3 and three due to the schedule, Scott, but they do have an, an ability to uh, pull out 10 wins this year in the upcoming campaign. What do you think uh, Spencer Rattler is going to do at Oklahoma? I heard that like he's even got, uh, unless I'm mistaken, there's like FanDuel odds on him for the Heisman. Uh, a lot of people talking about your yeah. boy Spence. <laughs> Yeah, I think Spencer Rattler's a good quarterback. I mean, you know, again, like a Bryce Young type of talent. But again, no game experience. First time since 2013, Oklahoma without an experienced quarterback since Blake Bell. So without C.D. Lamb and some defensive pieces, tough schedule. I picked Oklahoma at 10-2. and two. Do, do not like Rattler for the Heisman this year. So uh, I guess JT Daniels, I think, was another one of those uh, quarterbacks from Los Angeles that played at that school that transferred from USC to uh, Georgia. Right. And then uh, he's going up against that kid Newman from Wake uh, in 40 seconds, respectfully, before we break. uh, Who do you think wins that quarterback battle uh, in Athens? I think, well, we have to see about the availability of Daniels. I think Newman clearly is the starter, gives them big playability and an ability to make plays outside the pocket. So uh, when we come back, uh, we'll ask Joe some more questions about, you know, uh, some of the other schools and their quarterback situations like K.J. Costello transferring to play for Leach uh, in Starkville. And then what's going to happen with Derek King at Miami? How's he going to do with the Canes Uh, and see if their head coach is in trouble this year? Uh, Manny uh, Diaz goes down there. And I mean, they look pathetic in that game against Louisiana Tech. He's got to do better than they did last year. He won't have that job very long we're talking to joe lisi on pharrell's bench go with us one two uh, 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 I think that um, if I were to have like one day to party with someone, you know, a lot of people 
uh, you know, they'll always say, what would you want to do if you had, you know, one thing you wanted to do, like if you could do it and pull it off and there was one person left that you'd, you could do it with on the face of the earth. Uh, I think that I would probably pick Keith Richards. I'm just saying that probably because I heard that uh, song and I've, you know, I told you, I've seen the stones a ton of times, always love the Rolling Stones. Uh, the blues end of the Rolling Stones, all of it, everything about the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're creepy now. I get it. They're like, you know, uh, in their late seventies, whatever it is. And, uh, I can't keep track of how old they are. I, I told you before the Ozzy Stones thing, all of it. I, at some point it just gets to the point where they're so old. I can't even keep track of it, but I do think that I'd want to spend a day. I told you one night on the show on coast to coast, I watched this special on Keith Richards, this like documentary on him, a movie about Keith Richards life like that, dude, <laughs> that guy, are you kidding me? You've never lived until you, if you got on that guy's back and rode his back for 30 years, you'd be dead after 15. This guy was absolute animal. He was crazy. He did everything you could, you name it. He did it. He was in trouble with the, feds you name it he did it keith richards that's who i'd hang out with joe lisi who would you hang out with if it was one person that you could hang out with i know everyone else is going to say michael jordan or something i'm going keith richards i think i'm going female scott i think i'm going female i think i'm going with like you know uh heidi klum or something like that you know just like one night you know with heidi klum something like yeah. that i think I, that's a great you call know? joe just but he party that's a great call, Joe. But when you got like when you have your tenth beer and go and you know you've had ten cold ones and and you've had like like before Heidi when she went to go to the like bathroom and you went out in the garage and and hit the bowl real quick when you came back and went to the bathroom after her she ran out the front door and like an Uber driver picked her up and she drove like ninety down the driveway she was gone so like Keith Richards ain't running away he's gonna sit there and go all night with you you're gonna get your you're going to get your That's full true. gamut in the 24. Heidi might leave you at the altar, although uh, it's a great idea. Mavia, did you tell uh, Joe about Paige Sporanic? Have you seen the golfer chick, Joe, the hot golfer girl? Is she the blonde? Is that, yeah. I saw, I saw a, an Instagram with a blonde. She looks yeah. really good. She looks I fine. Mean, well, she I hope you... Look. Yeah, just look her up. It's Paige Sporanic, and we are now just gigantic fans of anything she's doing. I mean, if the chick was swimming in chocolate, I would vote for her. I just have absolutely, this chick is so hot that like I, my wife wants to sleep with her. Everyone, my children, everyone wants her. So anyway, uh, let me get, I want to get back to the college football with you before I get fired. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you about was uh, KJ Costello. How do you, I'm friends with Leach. I'm not name dropping. I'm actually friends with the guy. He's uh, just a complete whack job. Mafia, back me up. Am I friends with Leach? I mean, I get along great with Leach, right? I mean, I'm buddies with him. Yeah, absolutely. He loves coming on the show every year. Usually when he's right, so, before, it was when he was hiking the hills of Pullman and barely had any breath left, but it was always great anyway. Right. So he lives in, uh, he lives in, uh, down in the Keys, down in Key West, and he's just a whack job. He searches for, uh, like, boats that have wrecked and stuff like that. He's a swashbuckler. He's always diving yep. for gold and things of this nature. So when he went down to Starkville and he already got in trouble, he opened up his mouth. He was there five minutes and he was in trouble with the fans and with the media. Um, 
but he's getting K.J. Costello, I think. Am I wrong? He's going to be their quarterback down in Starkville. That's not a bad guy to start his uh, wild offense down there. Uh, that thing could be pretty high scoring, wouldn't it? Yeah, it can. I mean, you're talking about an offense, Scott, over the last couple of years, they've averaged only 179 passing yards per game with Joe Moorhead. Costello's an experienced quarterback. Some internal rumblings, though, with Keelan Hill, their running back, said that he will not play for Mississippi State unless Mississippi changes the Confederate flag. So we'll see how that plays out over the course of the next uh, month or so. But Keelan Hill is a big part of that offense. But I think this team could be 6-6 six and six based off the schedule in 2020. <laughs> so after all that, they're still going to suck. How do you think uh, Derek King is going to do <laughs> at uh, Coral Gables? Just so you know, uh, Joe, I'm a gigantic Canes fan. I had a, uh, I always tell the truth on the show. I uh, bought a condo on the uh, Miami Canes in the 80s and 90s. Literally, I bet on the Miami Canes every week for 20 years and, and got a condo out of it. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. Mel Bratton's a good friend of the show. He comes on every now and then. Mel Bratton is, is ta- loves talking about my the U back in the day, and uh, and love those early team teams. I mean, that that, that, that was great. Bernard Clark and the crew. He played with uh, Benny Blades, the Blades brothers. I'm friends with uh, Benny came on the show. I mean, those teams like that '87 team that won the title. Uh, and they had lost to Penn State in 86 in the Fiesta Bowl, right? Like, that team, that may have been right. like, Joe, that might have been one of the best college football teams ever assembled. Ever. Ever. I mean, come on, Michael Irvin, the crew. I mean, just the swag, Scott. I mean, that, that was what college football was all about. I mean, you, you score a touchdown, you rock it, the half jerseys, just just physicality. <laughs> I love, love the early teams with Jimmy Johnson and the crew. I mean, oh, bring back the U of old. Oh, I like this guy more by the minute, Mafia. Your boy Joe Lisi <laughs> listens to him. He's getting me all kinds of horny talking about the Canes. Uh, do you think King will do all right down there? Because if Manny Diaz doesn't win this year, they're going to whack him. I mean, they're not going to put up with it. I mean, they brought him Yeah, back. they are. No? Yeah, you said it. I mean, the offensive line's a huge concern, even with the Eric King. 51 sacks allowed last year. That was ranked 126 out of 129 teams. I think this team could be 8-4 and four losses on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Shaq Quarterman's gone. Trajan Bandy. They get Quincy Roach that comes in from uh, Temple. But I think at this physicality, they need to get back to that. They could be 8-4, and four, but I don't see that team getting to 10 wins in 2020 this year. How do you think uh, the kid Brown, the transfer from BC, will do uh, in Eugene at Outson with Oregon? I mean, they lose Herbert to the NFL. Uh, does uh, the Ducks and, and their Cristobal, uh, do they find the answer with a transfer? And I know they got the, uh, the kid that was backing up Herbert already, Tyler Show, whatever his name is. Uh, how do you think they're going to do right. post-Herbert? Well, I, I think Anthony Brown, if he wins the job, he's a quarterback that can move the football. He can work off a of play action. He's a big kid. Had some injury problems last year. Physicality on the offensive defensive lines for Oregon, one of the best in the country. One of the best offensive lines last year entering 2020. One of the best offensive lines as well. Big concern will be September 12th when Justin Fields and Ohio State come to town. If they can win that matchup, a legitimate top five team in the best 
a chance for the Pac-12 to crack the college football playoff this year. Joe, do you think uh, that the kid McCaffrey can do better than uh, Shea Patterson did for Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor? Because we already know Harbaugh can't beat Ohio State. Can he at least get a quarterback? Because I thought Shea Patterson, uh, no offense, I thought he was terrible there. Yeah, you know, part of it was Gaddis and the play calling. They were very conservative on first and second down. This was a team that was only successful when they ran the football and worked off a play action. When they were forced to play from behind and throw the football, they were inefficient, inconsistent. I think they're going to have to move the football early on through the passing game now. Nico Collins is there, no Donovan Peoples-Jones or Tariq Black. Schedule's hard, and this team can't win on the road, Scott. 12-12 and 12 under Harbaugh since 2016 on the road or on a neutral field site. Not going to be easy. Schedule is very hard. 10-2, and two, I think, for Michigan this year. You know, it's funny to me. Uh, that really tells you all you need to know, right, Joe? Like, uh, they can't win on the road. Meanwhile... Ohio State goes on the road, and they just beat some ass wherever they go. Like, they don't care where they play. They'll play you in your mom's backyard. Uh, they'll play you on, a, on a, a pavement with broken glass on it. Why is Ohio State so unafraid of the road and Michigan is uh, troubled by it? Yeah, I think part of it's the head coach. I think, that, you know, it starts at the top and it's a trickle-down effect and it's a psychological effect. But the other part is recruit, Scott. When you have top five talent each and every year, teams like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, they dominate on the road because they have the better talent. But you see some teams that do uh, play very well under certain head coaches. So just a matter from the gambling perspective of which teams cover on the road and which teams usually push the limit against uh, other teams that are favorites, so we'll see how it plays out, but uh, Ohio State clearly the best team in the Big Ten this year. Do you think, uh, But is there anyone out there, seriously, Joe, that could be better in Ann Arbor under that pressure to win at Michigan? Like, that's a tough job. I know everyone thinks it's so easy to, uh, I believe, you know, criticize these coaches, Lloyd, whoever it was, Brady Hogue, it doesn't matter, Rich Rod, it doesn't matter, Jim Harbaugh, no matter who it is, they're never Bo Schimbeckler, and they have to uh, perform under that kind of pressure. I don't know if there's anybody out there better for that job than Jim Harbaugh. I hate to say it, but I just still don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know who it is either. I mean, I would say a, a coach like Luke Fickle, a blue-collar type of guy that understands the Midwest, understands how to recruit, but I, that's what you have in Jim Harbaugh. You have a coach that, you know, took the San Francisco 49ers to took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you know, uh, you know, and then came back to college and, and it got it done, brought them back to respectability. But, you know, if he can't do it, who are you going to get? You know, I, I really don't know who a good fit for Michigan is right now. Chip Kelly's struggling with UCLA as well after a stint in the NFL. So very hard to go to the NFL and come back and be very successful like Nick Saban. Yeah. I, you know, I actually, and I don't really like Chip Kelly at all, but I got to say, like, at the end of the year last year, right, the last half of the season, they actually played really good football, and he's got an amazing cachet from what I've been told, because I, I lived out there for a decade, so I have always had interest in UCLA and USC, and, and I've heard that he's just loading up with talent at UCLA. Now, I know there's kids saying, we want better doctors and all the rest and complaining about this or that. 
But do you think he's actually like uh, doing a better job than everybody thinks he is out there? Because all he's been in the last since Philadelphia, the Eagles, all he's been is trashed by talk shows and media. They all they do is bash him. Is he actually doing a decent job out there? He's do. I think he's heading in the right direction, I and mean, he's got to get to a bowl. I think he's he'll get fired. In my opinion, if he doesn't get to six and six and get the Bruins back to a bowl game, he's seven and seventeen since he took over the program. So for me, uh, he's got DTR, a mobile, athletic quarterback, but he needs to get better on the defensive side of the ball, and that's something that he struggled with in his days at Oregon in the NFL. So. Unless UCLA could get better on the defensive side of the ball, getting over 500 is going to be very difficult this season. I, I could talk with Joe Lisi uh, for hours about college football. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to do it again, Joe. Great stuff tonight. I, I, I talk about the COVID. I'm just excited that we didn't talk about it in this interview, and, and we just we just talked college football. So, like, the next time we're on, we'll talk bad about people saying that we're not going to play college football. We'll talk bad about diseases and everything else. Thanks for talking about stuff that matters tonight and, and letting us know that you want to sleep with Heidi Klum. Uh, thanks a lot, Joe. I love you. Thanks for coming on the bench. Anytime, Scott. I like that, dude. Joe Lisi. How about that guy? College football today on Sports Grid. Uh, coming back, I think we got Marenzi styling. Pharrell on a bench. Uh, so right after uh, Pharrell on a bench is Sports Rage with Marenzi. And then uh, that's it. Uh, Three in the morning, you can uh, listen to the show. 5 a.m., uh, Bagels and Bad Beats with Wetzel. Uh, obviously, you can watch Marenzi on the uh, YouTube Sports Grid Radio page. Check it out. I know you'll dig it. Uh, Marenzi, I got to ask you a question real quick. So I watched this story about uh, y- Ujiri, right, uh, and the job he's done in Africa with that Giants of Africa and all the Rwandan and uh, you know, uh, Kenya and and everything that they uh, have done in Africa with, with basketball for these kids. I mean, that was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen from any executive in any sport. That guy is ahead of his time. My God. No, he really is. Not only is he a great general manager, he's a great human being uh, as well. And, you know, you look look at the Raptors and how they're constructed, a very international international flavor. I, 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 I promise not a lot of listeners know this, uh, but, you know, the Greek freak's going to be a free agent. And uh, Messiah Jerry is responsible for getting Greek citizenship uh, for Giannis's family years ago. Uh, the Greek freak consults with Messiah pretty much like a couple of times a week. They're actually that close. A lot of people think that he's actually going to go and become a Toronto Raptor and think play along a, fe- a fellow African uh, in in Pascal Siakam. You look, they have Serge, uh, Serge Ibaka from Congo. You go down the list, very international team. But Masai Jerry's a great guy, great general manager as well, Scotty. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Uh, I, I was so blown away and impressed by him. I, I just think what he's doing there is helping uh, more than anything I've ever seen before. What an unbelievable dude that guy is. That really is incredible. It just tugs at your soul watching him do that work in Africa. Uh, Sports Rage is coming up. All right, Marenzi, I love you. I'll see you. Good night, everybody.